Well, the message that the Lord has laid on my heart is it's time to get out of Egypt. I kept hearing that over and over again. It's time to get out of Egypt. Now, there are times that the Israelites were in Egypt that it was a place of refuge. And then there were other times when they were in Egypt that it was a place of bondage. Joseph and his brothers and all of his household remained in Egypt for many years. Now Joseph lived to be 110 years old. He saw great grandchildren from both his sons. And before he died, he told his brothers that God would one day bring them up from Egypt into a promised land, if you remember that story. And in the, be- in the meantime, this was a place of refuge for all of them for many years. However, we also know that the Israelites were under slavery, hard slavery, for many years after Joseph, his brothers, and all the generation and Pharaoh had died. Now, in Exodus 1, it says, Then Jesus died, and, yeah, Joseph died, and all his brothers and all that generation, but the Israelites were productive. And they increased greatly, and they multiplied and became extremely strong, so that the land was filled with them. Now, the king that was with them before, now he's died. And this new king arises, and now all these people are outnumbering all the Egyptians. And what are they doing? They're a threat. So he says to his people, Behold, the people of the sons of Israel are too many and too mighty for us. They greatly outnumber us. Come, let us deal shrewdly with them so that they will not multiply and in the event of war, join our enemies. That's what they, they were looking at. There's so many of them that what if they get on the enemy's side and don't stay on our side if there's a war? So all those years, the Israelites had lived peaceful lives in Egypt. However, what happened? The spirit of fear entered this new king, and he was going to oppress God's people. So verse 11 says, Though they set taskmasters over them to oppress them with hard labor. And the sons of Israel built Pithom and Ramses as storage cities for Pharaoh. But the more the Egyptians oppressed them, the more they multiplied and expanded. Now, when we're going through a hard trial, in the very beginning, it's like, you're not going to get me down. You know, I'm going to still stand strong. I'm going to get stronger in this because this is a trial and I'm going to get stronger. So the Egyptians uh, saw them like, oh my goodness, they're getting stronger even when we're giving them this labor and this slavery, they are our slaves, they're getting stronger. However, they don't like that. So the Egyptians made the Israelites serve rigorously. In other words, they forced them into severe slavery. And they made their lives bitter with hard labor in mortar, brick, and all kinds of field work. All their labor was harsh and severe. So now they're under this. It is so harsh and so severe. So I wonder, 
you know, can you imagine this hard labor going on for years and years and no sign of a breakthrough? Well, we're in something for years and years and years. After a while, soldiers get tired. They get tired of fighting. And so I thought about the thoughts. You know, I like to get into people's heads, you know, in the Bible. And think about what the Israelites could have thought. Did they blame God for this hard trial? There are many people out there that are blaming God for their problems. Did they feel God forgot them? Have you felt sometimes that God forgot you? Especially when you see somebody else getting the answer to their prayers and you've been praying and praying and praying and they got theirs just like that. You think about, where's mine? Where's my answer to prayer? Or um, did they feel that God didn't love them? Sometimes we don't feel that love. We don't always feel God's love. And sometimes we do really feel his love, and oh, we just love to bask in his love. But then there are times when we're going through hard trials that we don't feel that love. And so did they ask God, don't you see how I'm being treated? Did you ever say that to God? Don't you see what's going on, God? Of course he sees, but that's our humanness. Don't you see how I'm treated? Why is this taking so long? I prayed and I believed for a miracle, yet I see no hope of breakthrough. Why aren't you delivering us from this evil? If we're honest, we've had these questions, these thoughts in our minds. But when we have these thoughts, where's our focus? It's on ourselves and not focused on him. So did they see God as the taskmaster? Moses was 40 years old when he left Egypt after killing another Egyptian. He lived in Midian another 40 years. Think about that. 40 years he left Egypt. He's in a wilderness, you know, an area where he is out there tending the sheep and he's just out there for 40 years, another 40 years. And when God called him, he was 80 years old. Now, if that doesn't tell you something. <laughs> Exodus 3, 3 to 4 says, So Moses said, I must turn away. You know, all of a sudden, Moses sees this bush. And this bush doesn't burn up. It's got a flame on it. But it doesn't burn. And it's like, what in the world is going on there? You know, I'm tending this flock. You know what? That's more important. I got to go up there and I got to see that bush. So he says, I must turn away from the flock and see this great sight. Why the bush is not being burned up. And when the Lord saw that he turned away from the flock to look, God called to him from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. Now here's three things to take a look at. First of all, it doesn't say how long the bush was there burning. But God was there waiting. Waiting for Moses to take notice so he could get his attention. God was getting Moses' attention through this bush. 
But when Moses did, he turned away from what he was doing to go see what was going on with this bush. The bush represents God's consuming fire. And yet, the bush wasn't being burned up. You see, he had to turn from the flock in order to go see what that bush was all about. And now, God's like, now I can speak to Moses. Before that, I couldn't speak to him because I was waiting for him. I needed to get his attention. When God saw that he turned away from the flock, this was a pivotal moment. Moses' eyes were no longer on the flock, but focused on the bush. How many of us are focused on what's in front of us, but we're not focused on God, who is ahead of us, who loves us, who is there for us, and is trying to get our attention, because you know he speaks to us every day. The problem is we're not always listening problem is we can get so busy like he was busy with his flock but he had to let go of that flock in order to go to that bush and see what was all about now God got his attention and now he could call him Moses Moses You see, Moses was about to leave his comfort zone. We don't like leaving our comfort zones, do we? Nope. He was in a comfort zone for 40 years, and now he's receiving a new assignment from God. And this isn't going to be an easy assignment. This isn't going to be a piece of cake. This isn't going to be something that's going to take a year, two, You know, did Moses know that that assignment was going to take 40 years? (laughs) Think about that. 40 years you're leading people around who are grumbling and complaining? 40 years. Well, maybe some of us are still looking at our flocks, still looking at things that we need to do, that we think that we should be doing, and we've not turned away from that in order to get God's attention. God wants to get our attention. He wants to call us. He wants to talk with us. He wants to spend time with us. And the problem is we're so focused on everything else. Moses said, here I am. Then God said, Do not come near. Take your sandals off your feet because the place on which you are standing is holy ground. And then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. Then Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. Notice, did he think about how he had run away from Egypt? Did he think about how he had murdered the Egyptian? Now, I don't know about you, but I know if I murdered somebody, I'd be thinking about it all the time. It'd be on my mind day in and day out. And I would be filled with so much guilt and so much condemnation 
to do something like that and then run, take off. So Moses is calling, or God is calling Moses, and is he thinking, is God upset with me? Was he still living under guilt and condemnation? Well, Romans 8, 1 says, therefore there is no condemnation, no guilty of wrong for those who are in Christ Jesus, who live and walk not after the dictates of the flesh, but after the dictates of the spirit. We're walking after the spirit. There is no condemnation to those that are in Jesus Christ. You know, condemnation commands our minds to be tormented. And the Holy Spirit's conviction imparts life into our spirit. And it gives us a desire to follow his command. I'm going to repeat that because many people are under guilt and condemnation. Condemnation commands our minds to be tormented. The Holy Spirit's conviction imparts life in our spirit. And it gives us the desire to follow his command. God spoke that to me one day. And it really helped me because I lived under so much guilt and so much condemnation. The enemy was always beating on me. Now, Moses was in a position of complete surrender to God. Moses, you're standing on holy ground. Now, Moses is down. And he's totally surrendered to the Lord. He's on holy ground. He had to remove all that would hold him back from receiving God's assignment. You see, he had to take off his shoes. Maybe have work shoes on that he's out there with the flock. He had to take it all off. And he had to hand everything over and surrender. Yes, God, here I am. I'm here. I'm going to do what you want. I don't know what it is that you want, but I'm going to do it anyhow. And now the Lord sees him in the position of surrender. Do you know what happens when we get in the position of surrender? You got God's attention. Now he sees that Moses is ready to listen. God's not running after him. He's talking. He's getting his attention. And he's crying out to Moses. Moses. Moses, and he's crying out to us. The Lord said, I have in fact seen the affliction. Now God is saying, you know what? I know, I've watched it. I've watched all this hard suffering. Do you think God's not watching us? He watches when we're going through hard times. He sees the suffering. He sees the pain. He sees the hurt that we go through. And here he says, my people who are in Egypt and have heard their cry because of their taskmasters, their oppressors. I see it. And Moses, you know what? I'm going to use you to do something about it. You see, I see their pain and suffering, so I have come down to rescue them from the hand, the power of the Egyptians, and to bring them up from that land to a land that is good and spacious and flowing with milk and honey. It's a land of plenty to the place of the Canaanite, the Hittite, the Amorite, the Perizzite, the Hevite, and the Jebusite, all the ites. (laughs) 
Now, behold, the cry of the children of Israel has come to me, and I've also seen how the Egyptians oppressed them. I've heard their cries. Do you think he doesn't hear our cries? He does. He hears our cries. God had seen enough pain and suffering, you know, and I sometimes wonder when I see all this going on, how much do you see, Lord? How much do you have to see before something changes? How do you stand it? How do you stand watching your children day in and day out, making the same thing over, doing the same thing over and over again that's not working? And it's causing more pain and more suffering. How do you stand it, Father? That's what I say to him. How do you stand it? That's hard. I remember a time where I was sitting on my bed crying. And I had this vision. He was sitting beside me and he was crying with me. You see, he does. He cries with us. Moses now is getting his assignment. God had a mission for him, and he had chosen Moses. Therefore, come now, and I will send you to Pharaoh, and then bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, who am I? Who am I? Where's Moses' focus again? I. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and that I should bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? Why would you choose me? Look what I've done. Look what's in my past. Look where I'm at. I'm not where I should be. I'm not where I used to be in some things, but I'm not where I want to be. Why would you choose me? Is that a question that we've asked? Why would you want me to do that, Lord? I've asked it. Why me, God? You know, I don't have this education. I don't have this. You know, I'm not gone. I don't have a college degree. I don't have this. I don't have that. And yet you choose me? Why me, Lord? Oh, there's other ones out there that you could choose. But you see, God looks at the heart. And he knows whether you're going to follow him in the storms, in the desert, in the wilderness. Are you going to follow him no matter what? He knew Moses' heart. He knew Moses would stand and he would do what God called him to do. And you see, when we get in these hard trials and God has called us to something, we want to, the first thing we think of is, oh boy, I'm out of here. But no, he doesn't want us to think that way. He wants us to say, God, I can't do this without you. I need you. Lord, see all those people that are grumbling and complaining? What am I going to do? I need you. Help me, Father. I need your help. God knew that Moses would feel unworthy. How many of us say, I'm unworthy? So he was letting him know I have sent you, and I will be with you. And God said, certainly, I will be with you. And this shall be the sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve and worship God at this mountain. So he's given them a sign. He's letting them know, this is what I've called you to do. And this is a sign that will happen. 
When you bring them out of Egypt, you will worship on this very mountain. And then Moses said to God, Behold, when I come to the Israelites and I say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they say to me, Well, what's his name? What shall I say to them? And God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, You shall say this to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. I am. Not I will or I have been, but I am. I am the God of now. God is telling Moses, let the people know that I am with them and you, and I have sent you to deliver them. And then God said to Moses, this is what you shall say. So you see, he doesn't put Moses into position of his calling without telling him what to say. That's where we pray. God, I pray that when I open up my mouth, you will fill it. So this is what you shall say to the Israelites. The Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever, and this is my name to all generations. Go, gather the elders. Now he's got an assignment. He's starting. Gather the elders of Israel together and say to them, The Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac and Jacob, appeared to me, saying, I am indeed concerned about you and what has been done to you in Egypt. Do you know God's telling us that? I am indeed concerned about you. And what has happened in your life? What has happened in your past, present? What is going on? I am deeply concerned about you because I love you. Because you're my children. He says that to us. And so he says, I will bring you up out of the suffering and oppression of Egypt to the land of the Canaanite and all the ites. <laughs> To a land flowing with milk and honey. You see, God was giving him an assignment, but he wasn't letting Moses figure out what to say. If you don't know what to say, pray. Ask the Lord. Don't be saying a whole bunch of stuff and you haven't prayed about it. Not only was God telling Moses what to say, but he told Moses they would listen to him. God didn't even mention Moses' past in Egypt. He didn't talk about his past. He didn't say, you know what, I watched what you did. He didn't do that. He saw Moses and surrender to him. And I'm sure there was a whole lot going on that's not even recorded in the word. In Moses' heart, between his heart and God's heart, they connected. And when we surrender, when we get down and we surrender and we say, Father, forgive me. I give you all of me. I don't want anything between you and I. I don't want to hold back anything. I don't want to be over here with the flock when you're calling me over here. I want to do what you want. And God hears that and he hears your heart your hearts connect. 
And that's what he wants to do with all of us. And this is the beginning of this session. I didn't know how far we were going to get today. But we're going to go into it's time to get out of Egypt. And it is time to get out. But you see, Moses has to go back in in order to really get out. So we'll discuss that in the next time. Um, it won't be next week because we're going to have a different message for next week. But we'll continue this message in the next maybe two weeks. It might be two weeks of, of this yet. So I want you to know that where you are at right now, your deliverer is coming. <sighs>